0: If you have an unquenchable thirst to crush your bucket list, relentlessly pursue your dreams, and live life on your own terms, then turn up the volume and tune in. You're now listening to Zef and Moses Blacksburg
1: on the Year of Purpose podcast.
0: This episode of the Year of Purpose is brought to you by our brand new book, Life Rescripted. Find your purpose and design your dream life before the curtains close. If you want to be the first in line to receive a free digital copy from me, all you have to do is head on over to www.liferescriptedbook.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Zeph and Moses Blacksburg from the Year of Purpose podcast, and today I'm joined by Joseph Rancith. And Joseph, Joseph has been helping individuals and organizations start movements for over 15 years. He's been featured expert on national television, including Fox News, CBS, CTV, CBC, and more in leading industry publications such as Advertising Age and has been recognized several times by The Huffington Post for using social media to inspire the world whether in his best-selling book on the TEDx stage as a keynote speaker or a boardroom consultant Joseph passionately and powerfully shares the principles of purpose-driven marketing and transformational leadership in the digital age and today he's joining us how are you doing today
1: I'm doing well I'm so excited to be here thanks for for having me Zeff
0: Yeah no problem thanks for being here and I know that we're going to get into a very interesting topic here because you know, for me, a big reason why I left my full-time job to join the entrepreneurial world was I wanted to do something bigger. And I think that that's what a lot of our listeners are kind of tuning in for today is that they want to do something bigger than where they're at right now. And so a big thing that you talk about is creating a movement. Um, And, you know, I I thought that I would find that in the entrepreneurial world. And after about three years in my job, or my business, I kind of saw it as a job because I wasn't making as big of a difference as I really wanted to. And so that's kind of where the year of purpose started for me. And, and you know now we have a podcast with tons of listeners all over the world. So maybe um, start with us a little bit about how you got to where you are and you know, what it really means to you to build a movement.
1: Well, you know, I, I think it starts with, with what you were saying, that, that I believe that there's this little whisper inside of all of us saying that there's, there's something more. And, and it isn't necessarily that everyone has a call to become an entrepreneur. It isn't that necessarily everyone has this call to, to start a movement the way that Gandhi or Dr. King did. Um, but I do believe that there is that, that whisper that says to us that we're, we're meant to have a bigger impact than we're already having, that we're meant to give voice, uh, you know, to something inside of us, to have a more full expression of of who we really are. And, and that's nature. You know, you look into nature and you see growth. You know, nature is, is always growing, um, you know, and and, and expanding. And, and for us, you know, we have that drive. It's part of our human nature um, to want to do something meaningful, to to want to have some sort of an impact. And for some, you know, we anchor that to money or profits. Others, you know, anchor that to you know, philanthropy or giving back, um, and, and and I don't think it necessarily matters exactly how we do it, um, as long as we are kind of giving that voice to to the best inside of us, and and that really, you know, is is kind of a a perfect catalyst for how I got into uh, the work that I do. Um, you know, I, I had started in in internet marketing, um, you know, years ago and back in 1999, um, and what I found is I I had this kind of ping pong game going on, uh, you know, mentally as, as, you know, as well as physically of, you know, between what I did to make money um, and then what I did to find a meeting. And I would, you know, I'd do a big, uh, you know, marketing campaign, you know, a big project, make a bunch of money, and then I would go and volunteer for a couple of months and, and do something. And then I realized, oh, I need to go make some more money. And I kind of flip-flopped back and forth between those. And then one of my earliest mentors um, many years ago... Uh, was Doctor Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he gave me some some advice that, you know, that, that kind of rattled my my brain and and really changed the course of of my life, um, and and also me as an individual, kind of from the inside out. He said, if you want to be successful, you need to learn to integrate the spiritual with the secular, and. It spoke to me right away because I I could relate to that ping pong that was going on, but I also knew that he was talking about something a lot deeper. You know, by by spiritual I don't I don't believe that he necessarily meant you know religious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although you know Dr. Covey was a very religious man, he didn't keep secrets about that. Um, but by spiritual he was he was referring to to purpose, to that that call in each of us, you know, to do something meaningful. And, uh, you know, I often think of the, the parable of the stone cutters, where an old old traveler um, is journeying and he comes across a stone quarry and he sees three men, you know, working in, in the, the quarry and he asks them the same question, you know, to the first he asks, what are you doing? And that man, without even, you know, taking his eyes off, off his hammer, uh, just kind of grumbles, I'm cutting stone and I'm getting blisters on my hands. Interesting. You know, he asks the same question to the second man, what are you doing? And that man stops and he looks the traveler in the eye and he says, you know, I'm earning an honest day's wage to support my family whom I love. Interesting. You know, and to the third, he asks the exact same question, what are you doing? And that man uh, puts down his tools, lifts his gaze high into the sky. And with this This beaming voice says, I am building a cathedral to glorify the Most High. And you can see that each man was doing the same action outwardly, but driven by a different purpose. Mm -hmm. And in what we do matters, uh, but not near as much as why we do it. And I I would venture the guess that, uh, you know, obviously that third man was experiencing a much higher level of satisfaction. In the work that he was doing you know he was going home happier he probably had more energy and and could probably you know um, be be a better husband you know father whatever his roles were because of how he felt about his job and what he did Um, even though it was the same job as the other two but I would also venture to guess that 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 third man was experiencing a lot more of miracles you know those little synchronicities that happen in our day that really kind of whisper to us hey you're in the right place you right. know, like uh, those little magic moments that say, I think I'm onto something. I bet he was experiencing those an awful lot more uh, than the other two if they were experiencing those at all.
0: And I'd have to guess, though, is there any conflict between the first person versus the third person only because you know I kind of think of it as I've worked tons of jobs in my life and I've had employees that absolutely love what they do and I've had employees that you know absolutely hate what they do but they're still there and so is there ever any sort of conflict or battle of someone you know questioning your purpose or your meaning (laughs) or where it comes from because they're just you know the grunt worker who's just doing it because he has to do it
1: well you know what i find the important thing to remember is that conflict doesn't happen between people conflict happens within people and if there was any conflict in a situation like that it's going to be happening with the first person It's not going to be happening between that first person and the third person. It's going to be happening within that first person who maybe has some, some jealousy or some envy or some anger toward the person who's getting a higher level of satisfaction out of the same work. Um, You know, and and they may feel, you know, that they're in a victim space uh, for some reason, whether they, you know, consciously label it or not. Um, But the reality is, is the only difference was really the state. And when we see other people, and we are envious of them. It's not necessarily because of their, um, you know, position or their possessions. It's because of the state that we see them in. That they are what we perceive to be, you know, happier in a better space. You know, uh, we think it's the money that they have, or the fancy car, or the big house. But really, when we think of why we want those things, it all comes back to we want that you know, millions of dollars because of how we think it will make us feel, the state it will put us in.
0: Right. And despite what we think, it's usually not the true side of things. And, you know, even if we were to get that, uh, you know, we certainly wouldn't be as happy as we thought we would be. Um, You know, it's kind of like how the lottery winners always, you know, end up going bankrupt, you know, a few years after they win the lottery. Um, So, kind of circling back real quick, you mentioned, you know, this sort of miracle experience. And uh, I thought I'd share that the other day, uh, I had a race with my rowing team. And we get there. And this is actually my first real race. So it's a big deal. I'm pumped up inside. And we get our bib numbers much like you would get for a half marathon. And my particular bib number actually had my lucky number on it. It was the number of my youth group chapter that I was in when I was a kid that I volunteer with now and a very important number in my life. And I saw that as kind of a smaller miracle or a sign that, you know, I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and that this is everything that I could ever ask for. And that was a very unique experience, but I think oftentimes people miss out on that because they're not in the right mindset or they're not present. Mm-hmm. and so i'm curious to hear from you you know in this idea of creating a movement you know how much does this require us to be present and actually aware of what's going on around us
1: you know it, that's a really good question and and i think you really hit on on a couple of things that are that are really important there um you know one of them obviously is, is staying present uh, but the other is is choosing our beliefs and you know you could have as you mentioned, saw that number and just dismissed it. Um but you chose, you know, an empowering belief at that that moment to say, like, I take this as a sign that, you know that things are things are in flow right now. you know I, I'm choosing to interpret this in my favor. And that's really what um you know, purpose-driven people do. You know, uh, studies have shown that people who think they're lucky end up having, far more lucky experiences, um, and, and they end up being happier as well. Um, they capitalize on more opportunities. And, you know, often we, we kind of we look for the per- perfect circumstance to empower us um, when the reality is, is it's our belief. It's, a, it's our state that really empowers us and can help us make the most of a situation. And it doesn't matter if our beliefs are true necessarily. Um, it, it matters that they empower us. And I'm not saying that we should, you know, believe in things that are, you know, patently not true, but I'm saying, you know, that uh, when we, we choose our beliefs, we need to look at things and say, Does this belief empower me? So when I was when I was a kid, you know, and played on the basketball team, I would generate this belief in my mind that I was Michael Jordan. Now, that wasn't necessarily true, but it put me in a peak state and it helped me to play the game at a higher level and, and to, to really stay in in flow. And we can we can adopt that same thing, and that personal work really is, you know, uh, critical to starting a movement. I, I share, you know, the, the the blueprint of how Gandhi and Dr. King started their movements, and, and I'd be happy to share that here. Um, but there, it always comes back to there's also one other thing, um, and part of what you're you're saying, you know, is is a component to that that we we have to not only do the right things, we have to be In a certain space if we're going to make uh, things happen
0: so i want to jump into that in just a second here um but one quick question before we get started on that is what prevents more people from starting bigger movements you know i I, when i originally was starting to write my book life rescripted i actually found that someone owns liferescripted.com And I reached out to them wanted to buy the website off of them because they weren't doing anything with it And they said oh well It's been kind of this dream of mine to essentially create this movement And it was Mm -hmm. you know 10 years ago, and it never really happened So what is it first that's preventing people from doing this? And then how do we get into the steps of the blueprint to actually make it happen?
1: Yeah, well, you know there there are two two main things I think one is fear um, and, and fear will come up in a couple of ways, fear, fear that will fail and look bad, uh, or fear that we may actually succeed and, and not how, not know how to deal with that. Um, and so, but at, at the root there's fear. I think the other thing that, that stops people really is, is ego or, or selfishness. Um, and, and I'll explain that a little bit more after, after we go into the, to the blueprint, but, you know, anytime I've seen, you know, people either, um, have a lot of ambition or have really inspiring dreams where it falls apart is one of those uh, two things that they they've got fear or they're selfish
0: gotcha gotcha so let's jump into the three steps here and uh, let's learn a little bit about what it takes to start a movement
1: yeah, well, you know, if, if you look at all of the great leaders throughout history who, who have started these movements, um, in particular, I love, you know, Gandhi and Dr. King, because um, they're particularly relevant um, to us. But they all had three things in common. Um, and, and this is kind of a simplification, We uh, you know, but we'll go through it at a, at a high level at this point. But um, they all had, first, a big idea. And by big idea, I don't mean that uh, Doc Brown. Whoa, Marty! I've got it. You know, I'm not talking <laughs> about that, that eureka moment. It's big in that it's bigger than ourselves. Um, it was bigger than any one individual. Um, you know, so it was it was a big idea, transcended an individual. Um, what also makes a big idea a big idea is that it's something that we're willing to live and, if needed, give our lives for. You know, it's that big that we can have that level of commitment for it. If you examine these ideas, they also um, are things that will bring people together and unite them um, that otherwise might have been divided. You know, it allows people to come together um, and to say, we can unite in this and still celebrate their differences. A big idea is something that recognizes that our differences make us unique and should be celebrated. They don't need to divide us. And we see that obviously in in some of the recent movements that we've um, you know either witnessed or or uh, read about. The other thing is that at a, at a deep level, any of these big ideas are all in one way or another um, an expression of the universal truth that we are all one, that we're all connected. You know, and and they may express that truth to varying degrees. Um, but it really touches on on that kind of core, um, core truth that we're all in this together. Um, and if you look at any, any great movement, you know we'll have that, um, that component to, to a big idea that will bring people together, um, to labor for something bigger than themselves. The second thing, if you look at it, um, is a clear message. I teach uh, at the university, and in one of my classes, I'll often put a slide up of Dr. King, and we all know the picture. Um, you know, he's standing there with almost 300,000 people, um, you know, uh, hearing him give his speech, and his arm is out. And I'll ask the students, I see, what is he saying? And everyone knows, and, and even without seeing the picture, you know, all the listeners probably know he's saying, I have a dream, mm-hmm. you know, right? Everyone knows the message. Uh, very few people, um, I would wager. Uh, who are listening right now, know every word to that 16 minute and 21 second speech, but they know the message. They know it's, I have a dream and that his dream was that one day, um, you know, that his children would be judged by the content of their character, not on the color of their skin and that children of all races, you know, could play together, um, you know, um, as friends. So we all know that that's the heart of the message. And in any movement um, even any really, really great, you know, uh, marketing campaign or or viral, um, you know, uh, social campaign, you know, will have, you know, clarity around the message so that when you share it, people get it. Um, and not only do they get it and understand it, but it's compelling. Like it, it stirs, stirs emotion. And then the third thing uh, to any movement is is evangelists. You know, ad, uh, an army of advocates for the cause. You know, 300,000 people didn't show up uh, to hear Dr. King, you know, on that that hot summer day uh, because he invited them all himself. Um, It wasn't his personal network. It was because um, people heard that big idea and uh, it spoke to them so much that they were willing to adopt it as their own big idea as well to identify themselves with that cause Um, And that they were able to go and knock the doors and make the phone calls and hand out the flyers, um, you know, for the exact same cause. And we're able to pass that same message along um, and to keep that fire going.
0: And so I I think it's very important, that last part there, is to have other people that are willing to spread the word, too, and that can be you know, just as enthusiastic and jump up on stage like you can, Mm -hmm. because, you know, anybody can jump up and grab the microphone and start, you know, spewing uh, very enthusiastic commentary. Uh, But, you know, that doesn't mean everyone else is going to listen. I think that we kind of do have this herd or group mentality where we have to see other people supporting it, too, before we're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll start to listen to that.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know what's interesting about that is it requires uh, a tremendous amount of, of inner courage, um, you know, and in, in in inner strength, uh, both to lead as well as to join a movement like this. Because one of the other criteria, you know, for a big idea is it's something that we're willing to labor for without receiving credit, and and it takes an awful lot. Um, you know of of inner conviction to say I'm going to try and labor for this big cause and I'm okay if I don't get the credit uh, and it also takes a lot for someone to say I'm gonna join this even though it wasn't my idea you know I'm gonna assign my name to this and labor under it even though I didn't start that company or I didn't start that you know cause or, or message um, so it's got to be that compelling um, and it requires, obviously, a certain amount of person who isn't in, in, in it just for personal gratification uh, to be able to, to get to that point.
0: And I'm sure that takes a lot of inner work and growth to get to that point because, I mean, I think we kind of live in a generation of people who want credit for the things we're doing. I so- mean, look at social media and Facebook. It's a giant, you know, scrapbook of, hey, look at all the things that I did. Mm-hmm. So it, I'd imagine it's probably... Uh, very conflicting with a lot of the ways that we live our lives now um and maybe that's another aspect as to why people aren't creating movements is because you know we really want that confirmation of hey i did something good and everybody knows it
1: yeah well you know you really hit on it here because um quite a while ago i was having this conversation with with my business manager and you know for years as a keynote speaker and consultant i've been sharing this this blueprint of how to start a movement and, um, uh, you know, it just kind of the question came up um, about if it's so easy, why doesn't everyone do it? And, and I said uh, to Crystal, my business manager at the time, I said, well, you know, there's actually a fourth thing. Um, but it's not a fourth thing because it actually comes at the beginning. You know, uh, it comes first. Um, and we didn't have enough time to really go into what that meant. Um, but a few days later, she said, hey, I want to pick up that conversation on on this element zero you were talking about. And I was like, element zero? What are, you, what, are you, yeah. what, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. She said, you know, that fourth thing, that fourth element to the blueprint, but but it wasn't fourth. It actually came first, so element zero. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, that is not a clear message. You know, as a marketer, I'm looking at that, you know, it's kind of through this branding label and saying, that doesn't say what it's all about. It's, it isn't meaningful, but there's something about that that I like. I said, hmm, that's interesting. So I went on to explain to her, um, you know, that it, it was about that personal growth, that that personal power, that Gandhi that Dr. King were able to possess because of the inner work that they did, it allowed them to come to this place of being, you know, um, a vessel worthy of carrying, carrying that message. And less than 24 hours later, I was doing some more research. And I came across this story of when Gandhi went to Britain, uh, you know, to, to meet with the monarchy about, um, you know, India's liberation. Uh, a journalist asked Gandhi, they said, what? What is your secret? You know, basically they were saying, like, how does this little 90-pound, you know, guy, you know, in homespun loincloth, you know, coming to meet with, um, you know, with, with the monarchy, you know, how is he, you know, crippling the largest empire on the planet? And his answer was... I make myself zero
0: Hmm.
1: and you know to dive into the you know all of it would be longer probably than what we have but essentially what he was saying was um, this isn't about me in every day I'm waking up and I'm getting rid of the little me um, so that I can work for the welfare of others and that element zero that fourth thing really is not only the the power that we develop personally, but the purpose of, of letting go of selfishness, of arriving at a place that we are so um, filled with love and so motivated only by love for others um, that we completely abandon whatever we think we might you know, uh, get out of it or whatever our personal desires are, that we're so committed to saying, I'm doing this uh, for the well-being of others. Um, and that was what allowed him to develop that that conviction to go through all of the difficulties and trials and challenges uh, that he did um, that that all those great leaders went through uh, in order to see it through was that selfless love for all of the people that they served
0: and that's such a tough place to get to and i'm sure you know people listening in right now that really connect with wanting to make a change are like, all right, well, how do I get there? It's not just like I snap my fingers, I wake up tomorrow, you know, and do a little magic and it happens. Um, what are maybe just a couple of good examples of self-work that we can do to at least get us on the path of, you know, increasing our awareness, increasing um, our ability to give of ourselves to others and and things like that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think a, a couple of things come to mind. and And the first is, uh, you know you you can't fill anyone else's cup unless your cup is full. Um, now the the dichotomy that goes with that is that we actually get a lot from giving., uh, so we need to always always kind of be in that space of of service, um, but also remember that we need to come from a place of being full. And they go they go hand in hand. We can't focus slow solely on filling up our cup uh, without serving others and of not going out and doing anything until we feel like our cup is full. Um, but we also can't completely give ourselves, um, you know, to others without doing the self-care stuff. And, and I think one of the, the best tools that helps illustrate that point um, is what a lot of people will call a meta meditation. Um, and really this is, you know, in the morning or, or whenever. But, you know, starting off the day is a great way where you just kind of sit, um, you know, close your eyes, get into whatever kind of comfortable meditative state you can. And imagine you know, this, this light, this, this, you know, pure love, um, either coming into you or springing from within you, you know, and see it start in your heart and fill that up and expand out through your whole body. And then to slowly visualize it, expand into the room and watch it go into the rooms of those that you love. Watch it going across, across your city, you know, into the houses of your other family members or friends, and watch it expand and going into, you know, the homes and you know, the hearts of your clients and those you serve, and slowly, you know, removing your gaze uh, further away, and watching yourself shift, you know, higher and higher, and seeing it expand out over your state and the country and the globe, and filling the whole world with this this uh, light of love, um, and and that is such a great way. Obviously to put yourself in a beautiful state, you know of love and mindfulness uh, for others Um, But it's also a great way to anchor that throughout the day as we walk around. We're now thinking how can I share love? how can I how can I give and um, you know one of the It sounds overly simple, but one of the most powerful tools, you know when I'm working with um, You know clients, uh, you know people that I'm coaching and so forth is is this exercise To count throughout the day, as you're going throughout the day, count how many times you can ask the question in your mind or out loud if you're, you know, driving in your car or whatever. But ask the question: How can I serve others today? And just the simple exercise of trying to count how many times you can repeat that to yourself um, will be a very profound, you know, spiritual experience of realizing, like, wow. So often my mind is tempted to go to, you know, thinking of that funny video I saw on YouTube or worrying about my, you know, work or, you know, exams or, you know, whatever's kind of on our mind, you know, that we're preoccupied with ourselves. Um, And shifting that to saying, how can I serve others um, is uh, it it serves in so many different different ways, both at an intellectual, um, even down to a physiological uh, level, Um, it can profoundly transform us.
0: And I mean, this is this sort of form of visualization and and awareness is something that, you know, even the best athletes use, you know, Mm -hmm. before an Olympic lifter walks up to the bar, they're picturing themselves doing that. And, you know, they're. I think that, um, you know, it's a very powerful experience that we still don't know everything about it but it's great to see um, how that plays out in our physical life you know even though it's just a thought it's just something in our mind Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's it's really brilliant and and powerful stuff and I want to thank you for for being here today and for sharing this and uh, I'd love to share with everyone who's tuning in how they can learn more about you know what you do I know that you have a TEDx talk that's out there um, and uh, where they can find out more information about you
1: yeah, well, I mean, josephranseth.com is a great place uh, to connect with me there. I, I have, um, there's an opportunity you can download the Blueprint, uh, you know, kind of this uh, how to start a movement. Um, so if you're interested, you can get that, that manifesto. Um, also, I, I love connecting, um, you know, uh, one-on-one. Uh, so reach out to me by Twitter um, or on my Facebook page. Uh, it's just Joseph josephranseth uh, is my handle. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I just am so passionate about, um, this work because it really allows us to heed that call that each of us have, that, that speaks to us on the inside that says there's something more and we don't need to know it. You know, we need, we don't need to be able to articulate it perfectly. Um, but, you know, being engaged in this type of work allows us to do that inner work that cultivates the best in us while also bringing more, Uh, And bringing the best, uh, you know, service that we can to others, whether it's in a job or in some some higher cause. Um, So I've got, you know, a number of great tools that I find that I share them, um, you know, on on the blog and so forth. Um, So I'd encourage people to kind of reach out and, and to learn, learn those steps of how to cultivate their own element zero.
0: Absolutely. And any sort of uh, final words of wisdom or encouragement to inspire those into action?
1: Yeah, you know, I think just, you know, remembering what the great Tony Robbins says is that emotion comes from motion. um, And you don't have to see it all um, to get started. Um, Just get into motion. Um, Start taking some action. And if you're still trying to find out what you love, just do a bunch of things. You know, just try different things. And, um, you know, a lot of times we have this idea in our mind of what we think we will love that oh my life to be great if this you know oh, when I graduate and I can do this job then I'll feel great um, but all of those are still at best speculation we need to do with what we know makes us feel great um, and we know that when we're in the moment with it uh, so find things get in the moment get busy and then you know, listen listen for those those little nudges and confirmations that say hey this feels good doesn't it maybe you're in the right place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joseph, this has been a great talk. And thank you so much for being here today and spending some time with me. And uh, definitely looking forward to keeping in touch.
1: It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Stefan.
0: This episode of The Year of Purpose is brought to you by our brand new book, Life Rescripted. Find your purpose and design your dream life before the curtains close. If you want to be the first in line to receive a free digital copy from me, all you have to do is head on over to www.liferescriptedbook.com to find out more. I've discovered what I think is the world's most effective process to design your path in life. It'd be a shame if I didn't share it. In Life Rescripted, you will discover the number one strategy for determining your life purpose and how you can start a new path today the 5x life hack rule for accomplishing your dreams and designing your life on your own terms five times faster, the ultimate solution for fear and how you can leverage it right now to make this year your best year yet, and so much more. Reserve your spot in line to get a free copy at www.liferescriptedbook.com and I will see you in the next episode.